want to read a scripture for this evening. It's found in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come and to worship, to worship in singing, to worship in praying, to worship in hearing and obeying your word, and in worship in giving back a little bit of what you have so graciously given to us. I pray that as we uh, take that time right now, I pray that you would bless us and help us to be the church, the, the people of God that are not afraid of this world and are willing and able to win souls and make disciple making disciples. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Sure. Guys, did I pick Again, Jesus, we come to you because there is no one else we can come to. Bless us as we open up your word. Bless us as we seek to become the men and women you have created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Christians live in fear. We are afraid because of terrorism. We're afraid because chocolate shops in us. Australia are blowing up. We're afraid because studiously planned and executed assassinations in France 
are being done. And in fact, today they believe up to 2,000 people were murdered by terrorists in Africa. We are afraid, Christians are afraid, because we have everything that we hold dear is under attack. We long to protect our future generations from unchecked moral cancer by protecting marriage. We are under attack because we long to protect future generations who are being murdered before they can breathe. Christians are afraid because we're being labeled intolerant. We feel misunderstood as this generation is increasingly viewed as our first century brothers were, as enemies of the state because we will not bow the knee to Caesar. And we're afraid because we're ridiculed for saying Merry Christmas. So what do we do? As a culture of Christians, what do we do? Well, we self-medicate. We play games, we watch TV, we watch football, we read propaganda from our favorite dispensers of soul cancer, whatever that is for you. Or else we medicate by holing up in what is becoming more and more a Christian ghetto subculture that is devoid of any hope except for desperate prayers for a pre-tribulation rapture. We medicate ourselves by surrounding ourselves as much as we can with like-minded people or failing that we just go to wherever conservatives are and hope that they don't talk about religion. But above all, we flock to people who use words like God or church or prayer and they wear patriotic colors but we don't really pay attention to what their lives are like. This is folly. Proverbs 28.1 The wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Not only, my friends, is fear folly, but it is counterproductive to everything we hold dear. Fear increases our inability to prepare and to be the salt and light in this ever-darkening culture. But more importantly than that, our living in fear disgraces the King of Lions and Lord Jesus Christ. If Christians are not as bold as a lion, perhaps it is because, as I said, we self-medicate. And it's because we don't preach the good news of the kingdom to ourselves and to each other. Now, Fortunately for us, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 is the medicine, is the prescription for becoming lion-hearted in the face of the culture that we live in. I'm going to forego my normal practice of reading and commenting on every single verse in my passage, and I'm going to do that tonight for two reasons. The first reason is that Jesus spoke Matthew chapter 10 as one sermon. And I think that we're missing a big part of the point if we spread it out in 10 different 
preaching sessions, which is way longer than Jesus meant the original to be. But the second reason why I'm not going to comment on every single verse in Matthew 10 tonight is because I believe that the point that Jesus wanted to get across to his original 12 disciples as he was sending them out on the first short-term mission trip is the exact same message that he wants to give to us as we are on this short-term mission trip of 80 or 90 years. And that point is summed up in the sentence, fear not, preach the kingdom. Fear not, preach the kingdom. Don't be afraid of anything or anyone because you and I are under marching orders of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And therefore, you and I can preach the power of God to change lives all around us and in the world in which we live. So allow me to water ski through parts of our passage tonight so we can land on key elements and see when we get there, Jesus gives us a very specific argument as to why we should not fear. So you see the names behind me of the disciples. I assume you can read. But I believe that these names are in here on purpose so that we would not be afraid. Because this list includes very simple people, not only simple people, but it includes traitors. And if God can use them to change the world, then maybe he can use a kind of a ragtag collection of nobodies from Santa Maria, California. Amen? We have hope, not because we are so great, but because the lion of the tribe of Judah has made us his lion cubs. And so we don't need to be afraid of anything. And then Jesus gave these men and those who were there very specific preaching, roaring instructions. Verse 7 He said, proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the exact same message we talked about, John the baptizer in chapter 3, verse 2. It's the same message that Jesus himself preached in chapter 4, verse 17. And a good case can be made that this is the message that you and I should preach because it is the message that will enable us not to be afraid. The kingdom of God, the power of God to do his will is as close to us as our fingertips. My friends, if the power that created the heavens and the earth doesn't enable you not to be afraid, it might be that you have a problem, amen? If God has given us the power, his power to accomplish his will, and it is as close to us as our fingertips, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear anything on earth. Because the kingdom of God is where what God wants done gets done. And if God's kingdom is in your heart, You simply won't need to be afraid. You won't want to be afraid. It won't occur to you to be afraid. But where Greg's kingdom remains in my heart, 
where your kingdom remains in your heart, you will find all kinds of reasons to be terrified because our kingdom will be threatened and we don't have the power to stand up and fight. God's kingdom, however, is defended by a lion. And how do you defend lions? You let them free and they will defend themselves. Amen? Instead of setting up our own kingdoms in our hearts, we should seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be gathered unto you. And when that happens, you will fear not, but you will preach the kingdom. Jesus continues giving us reasons in verse 14. He says, if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust from off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Let me ask you a question. Are you afraid that people won't like you because you're a Christian? Are you afraid that people will mock you or ridicule you because of your hokey beliefs? That's natural. But it begs the question, in this case, would a lion ever run from a fight? Would a lion ever be so terrified because someone was talking about them behind their back? Jesus gives us these words because he knows that it will happen. He knows that we will find reason to be afraid. But he says, don't worry. Just walk away. Shake the dust off your feet. But above all, don't be afraid of that mere human being who's ridiculing you. One of my favorite verses in Isaiah is 51.12. The Lord says, I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you to be afraid of man who dies? Who do you think you are being afraid of a normal human being? Put it in that perspective. Who do you think you are being afraid just of a normal Joe? And it changes how you look at things. Wait a minute. My eyes need to be fixed on the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that gets to the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It means that you repent. It means that you change your mind. That you turn away from things that this world fears. And you set your attention on God and his promises. And one of the most important and difficult we find is that we need to forsake our fear of people because we are no longer controlled by what men and women and politicians and TV news anchors say. But instead, we have our focus set on the promises of God that he has given for us. To be a Christian is to be lion-hearted. And when we are, we will fear not. There will be nothing that we need to be afraid of, but instead we will preach the kingdom. Jesus continues, verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and to flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witnesses before them and before the Gentiles. 
I hope at least one of you is thinking in your chair, wait, wait, Pastor Greg, I thought you told us this was going to help us not be afraid. But Jesus says, beware. Yes, beware. Be aware of those who hate Jesus and therefore hate you. Pay attention because they will stand up against you. But don't be afraid of them. There is a difference between being aware of your surroundings and cowering in fear because of them. Don't organize your life around defending yourself against people. Organize your life instead around loving Jesus because then you will not be afraid, but you will preach the kingdom of God. And my friends, We don't need to be afraid of people like this because God will not leave us in the lurch. He will not leave us off on our own. You and I have a protection that the world knows not. You and I can stand our ground because God is our stronghold. Nevertheless, you might not have enough faith at this moment. You might be thinking to yourself, well, someday in the future this bad thing might happen or that bad thing might happen. And so I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid that when I get there, I won't have what I need. But again, this is folly. Jesus promises us in Matthew 6, 34, he says, therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Don't be afraid of whatever is out there that you can't see yet. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is Jesus getting at? He says, don't worry because you'll get the grace you need tomorrow, tomorrow. You don't have the grace at this moment to face what you're going to face six days from now. You'll get that when you get there. So you and I can be bold as a lion in the face of whatever it is there is to be afraid of because we know that God will give us the grace that we need when we get there. You don't have to be afraid of the future because you know who holds that future. And because you know who holds your future, you can be bold as a lion. Not only that, but Jesus continues... When they deliver you over to these people who will hate you because they hate Jesus, do not be anxious. That means translated, don't be afraid. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. My friends, you don't need to be afraid of what men or women or or cultures might say to you because God has promised to give you the words that you need when you get there. And it won't be you. It'll be the Spirit speaking through you. So, you can fear not. You can be bold as a lion and preach the kingdom as you learn it now. We have water skied through the first 20 or so verses, and I've hit some highlights. But now, Jesus sets his mind to specifically giving you very clear arguments why you should not be afraid. 
You should not be afraid of people who oppose the kingdom of God and our preaching of it. Let's look at what he does. Verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. Look, right there. Don't be afraid. Jesus is commanding you. You know, it, it seems to me a really good idea of interpreting Scripture is that if Jesus gives you a command, obey it. And that's a command. Have no fear of them. Why? Why should we have no fear of them? You don't have to be afraid because when the world hates you for loving Jesus, the only thing that it's doing is proving you're, whose side you're on. They hated Jesus. They're going to hate you. And if they're hating you for loving Jesus, guess what? You're on the winning team. And no matter what the score is at halftime, you know that Jesus will win. That's something you can bet on. That is something that you can take to the bank and know that you don't need to be afraid. But preach the kingdom. Verse 26, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. You know, one of the things that's kind of frightening is that people will say bad things about you. They will say bad things. Unfortunately, this happens at churches all the time. They say bad things about each other. Number one, that is not our job, my friends. Our job is not to backbite. Our job is to love. But number two, Jesus tells us there is nothing hidden. There is no hushed conversation in the back pew or on the streets that will not be declared for what it really was on that day. Jesus will make it known. And he knows that people will lie about you. He knows that people will insinuate things about you. And Jesus is saying here, I got your back. Don't be afraid. I've got you covered. You don't need to be afraid. Don't worry. God knows the truth. He knows what is going on people's lies, people's intimidations, and it will all come out in the end. And furthermore, if you are right now really afraid of what people will say about you, I'll give you three things to do. Number one, start loving the people around you right now where you are. Find people that don't belong to this church and start loving them. You'll have no better defense against those who malign you than if you already have relationships with homosexuals. Then you already have relationships with abortionists. Because if you do, and they know that you're not some hate-filled spitter, it might not save you when they come for us. But they'll know. Number one. And number two, Jesus will know. And that's far more important. Perfect love casts out fear. If you are loving your neighbors, you will have nothing to fear. Not because they won't malign you, 
but you will know that you have done what Jesus commanded you to do. Secondly, start loving the people around you. Secondly, rather than holing up in a dark room and going into our little Christian subculture ghettos, hanging out in a dark room and bewailing the night, get up and get out into the night with the light of the Lord Jesus and start making a difference. Start changing the culture around you. Do you know what the surest way is to stop the bad culture that's out there? You know, all the pornography that's out there, all the violence that's out there. Do you know what the best Christian response is to getting rid of those things? There's only one answer to this. It's to start making good culture. It's to start making a difference now. Start doing things that people will look at and they'll say, wow, that's a great idea. I want to be a part of that. I'll give you the surest way not to win the culture war. Start a censoring campaign. It doesn't work. They've been trying it for thousands of years and it still doesn't work. But... If you're out there, if you're encouraging the young Christian artists, if you are encouraging the young people who are trying to do things, or, now, wait a minute, I might get into meddling here, so if you want to time out, that's okay. Start making culture yourself. Start writing stories. Start talking to people. Start making culture by going to Starbucks and sitting down and making a conversation with people. Find a young person and just start a conversation. You know what? You might try five people and three of them might blow you off. But your ability to drink coffee might be what helps someone make true culture so that their lives will change. Never underestimate the power of one person at any age from making a difference in one other person's life. Start loving the people around you. Number two, get up and get out into the night with the light of Jesus. And of course, number three, you've never heard me say this before. Trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Start living like when Jesus says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Start living like that's really true. Start living like Jesus says, for I tell you, I am with you even to the end of the age. I am with you. Fear not, but preach the kingdom. Now let me tie these three um, applications together. They fit really well in Psalm 37, 4 through 8, where David says, delight yourself in the Lord, not in the various channels of soul cancer that you find yourself in. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Oh my goodness, what a promise. Just, just that is a promise worth banking your life on. And it gets even better. 
Verse 6, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light. People are accusing you. People are putting down your beliefs. But you're making a difference in the world. He will bring that forth as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for them. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out his evil devices. Are we going to win every battle? No, not yet. Jesus will take care of that. The, the whole point of the book of Revelation is that Jesus wins. Whatever, whatever scheme you use to understand the book of Revelation, I don't care. You know what I care about? Jesus wins. So are they going to win battles between now and then? Oh yeah, sure they are. Let them have it. We know the final score. And we know the lion of the tribe of Judah will never lose. Fear not, but preach the kingdom. Jesus continues, Do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. A man got on the elevator, and as soon as the doors closed, the other person pulled out a gun and said, your money or your life. And the Christian responded, you can't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> you can't threaten me with heaven. Do you hear that? So often, we have our eyes so set on the world that we forget about heaven. I think about the cash I have in my wallet and I have a specific thing that I want to do with it. I want to, I want to get this or I want to do that. And if you take the money in my wallet, I won't be able to do this. What? What? You can't threaten me with heaven. If you don't have the courage to believe that, the prescription for you and me is Matthew chapter 10. The prescription is lion-heartedness because the Lord is your lion. 29 and 31 go together. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. You know that God knows everything that happens even to the smallest of birds. You're worth so much more than sparrows. If God is going to take the time and effort to take care of birds, you can bet that he's going to take the time and effort to take care of you. And the last argument in this like bang, 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 bang that Jesus gives, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid is this one. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, how does that enable us not to be afraid? You remember John the baptizer was arrested. And he was carried off into prison. And eventually, he had some teenage girl demand his head to be brought to them on a platter. And there it is, sure enough. Off with his head. I don't know for sure, but John the baptizer may have heard Jesus' words in Luke 21. Jesus says, you will 
notice, you will be delivered up by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will save your life. Did John's hair perish? Did it matter to him at that moment that his hairs were numbered? Now, certainly it is getting, God's job is getting easier when it comes to my hairs being counted. But the point of both of these statements is not that God cares about my hairs. The point is that if God cares about so small a thing about me as how many hairs are sitting up here, he obviously cares about you. Precious in the sight of the Lord was the death of John the Baptist. David further tells us, you have kept count of my tossings. My anxious, sleepless nights, you were paying attention and you know how many times I flipped over on my bed. Not only that, but you have kept every tear in your bottle. Are they not written down in your book? The fact that God counts the hairs in your head, that he keeps your tears in a bottle, shows that he cares about the smallest details of your life. Nothing Nothing will happen to you that is outside of God's supervision, that is outside of God's plans to make you the man or woman of God that he has created you to be. One more lesson, one more reason why we should not fear. Verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Don't worry. Jesus knows. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. My friends, if you forget everything else tonight, earth has no hurt that heaven cannot heal. Earth has no disappointment from your friend persecuting you or turning you away. Earth has no hurt of a health issue or a financial reversal. Earth has no hurt of some disappointment that you never got to do while you were on earth that heaven cannot heal. My friends, your God has got your back. So if we are not to be afraid, if, if that is, if we are to be lion-hearted, what are we to do? We are to preach the kingdom of God. Verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is exactly what we've been talking about the last several times preaching here. The power of God is available to you as close as to your fingertips for you to live the God, godly life that he means for you to live. So repent. Turn from your fear of others. Preach God's power to yourself. Preach it to those who are around you, who will preach it right back at you. And then preach it where you live. Fear not, but preach the kingdom. 
Lord Almighty, this earth has so many things to be afraid of. And Lord, we are sorely tempted every day to be in despair. But as we heard this morning, and as we heard tonight, Lord, we don't need to be afraid. We can march out boldly as lions because we know that we are yours and you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here would go back and read Matthew chapter 10 for themselves and see so much more that we could have said so that we will be as bold as lions for our joy, for your glory, and for the growth of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.